You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 51 of the Always Moto podcast. I'm your host, David Hogan, as always, and we'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, he's still waiting to get paid. No idea what's going on there, but he's still waiting. This is the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport, because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll be talking Super Motocross from Daytona, Always Moto Fantasy League, the Super Motocross Emergency Department updates heading into Indianapolis, a little bit of Ozpro MX and the unfortunate events that occurred there. Uh, We'll have a little touch on that, as well as we'll have our weekly product inspection highlight. But bringing us to the show today is Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors from the H10 chest strap and their top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grit X Pro. And this Grit X Pro is incredible. I'm using it more and more now that I'm getting a bit more mobile. Uh, it's impressive. The navigation on here when you're exploring some new trails is quite handy to try and make your way back to the starting point. It's awesome. Thanks to Slantboard Guy as well. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place. Slantboard Guy has a 10% discount in place for Always Moto Podcast listeners. So if you want to get your legs uh, on point and your squats doing much better, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and get that discount. New to the show, endurance recovery boots. If you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before you go to each and every session. A quick and simple way to do that is these recovery boots from Endurance Recovery Boots Australia. They can help you be your best for your next effort. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout. And another new one on the show, Tech 167 3D Printing. Need something cool for your bike? Maybe just a funnel that fits and means no mess? Then check out these products. There's a special code for you guys uh, that we're not saying anywhere else but here on the podcast. It's always Moto at checkout, and that will get you a 5% discount on orders $30 and above. So check that out. As always, we still need your support to keep this show running. We have our show's show merch available, and that's our T-shirts, our Always Moto T-shirts. They're available now, $25 plus postage and handling. 
send us an email to uh, info at alwaysmoto.com.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and then send through the size. Now, please go up a size or two. The shirts are a small make. If you want to support the show, send us a donation to Always Moto PayPal account. Drop a message or a question and we'll read that out live on the show. All these little bits and pieces help our show keep going. These affiliate deals we have in place really support us to keep things moving forward and to get to the next race day. So please buy a shirt, buy something from the websites. All the links are in the show notes below. Check that out. But that's enough of the intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, this is Grant Harlan and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, welcome in guys and girls. We're rolling on the Always Moto Podcast. Uh, we've got the contractor on the line, Ben Grinley. How are we doing, mate? All right. Hang on, Dave. Yeah, good, mate. It's been a bit of a rough week in Australian motocross this week. The Oz Pro MX kicked off down in Wonthaggy last weekend, but... Uh, Things didn't go to plan for one particular rider, and unfortunately, um, Braden Urbacher, um, number 59, lost his life in Wontaggy over the weekend. Sad moment for everyone. Um, bit of a rough day, obviously, for the family there, and our thoughts are with the family. We're sending out condolences towards them, and look, we're just on the Always Motor podcast here. We're just going to take a quick moment just to pause for Braden, and then uh, we'll kick off into the rest of the show. All right, let's. Uh, it's a bit of a somber moment to start there, but yeah, it's 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 part of the sport. Unfortunately, we just hope it never happens to anybody else. But um, yeah, thinking of of Braden and and the family. But look, let's let's move on. Daytona also happened on the weekend. Uh, it's a pretty impressive event there in the US. How did you see it from the TV there, Benny? You know, it was good viewing from uh, from the couch. Uh, I could see the whole track, but. Uh, <laughs> It's funny how that works on the TV screen. Yes, no, it is. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was good. Uh, good racing in uh, both classes, and um, yeah, made it made for a good race. And I think it's always, you know, it's always a good vibe. Uh, just with the like we talked about last week, just the history of the race, and you know, you got the bike week there and everything. It's uh, it's a good event. Yeah, I, like I said last time, last week, I always liked Daytona. I know there's obviously some things. If you listen, obviously, if you listen to our show, you probably listen to other podcasts out there in the moto world, and and a lot of them have been complaining this week about security and different aspects of the event. But like, obviously, having not been there myself and just watching on TV, I think it's great. So until I experience otherwise, you're not going to change my mind. So I, I quite liked it. The the racing was good. The track looked good. Um, you know, this big, deep sand section, yeah, it was blasting some sand around and people were probably hating it in their goggles. But, again, I'm not riding it, so it looks good to me. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, it's it's just uh, – it's not in a it's not in a stadium and it's, you know, it's out on the speedway. Um, it's, you know, it's a bit longer. It just gives – you know, gives more. You know, there's so many different sections and it's like that hybrid track. And uh, yeah, you got the sand, you got the normal sort of dirt, but then you know you've got to try and have a nice setup for both. And if you you know you make a mistake in the sand, and one person doesn't, you know it's that's where you can catch up or you can lose time. And yeah, that's what makes the racing good. It definitely does. I'm I'm interested to see how how we think about Daytona at the end of this year when we've had 
We'll, we'll have had, obviously, Atlanta as a Speedway race as well in Supercross this year. So we'll have two sort of um, Speedway-type style tracks in the actual Supercross series. But then when we get to the Super Motocross series at the end of the year and we've got the three hybrid tracks, obviously one's at the Coliseum, so it's more of a, a stadium type, but it's going to have a, have the outside of the arena sections and they're going to go up the up the stadium and whatnot. But the other two venues are Speedway and a Dragway. And, and I wonder how those tracks will compare and whether we think the same of Daytona after seeing those things. So, you know, maybe we should revisit this conversation in, in October or something. But I'm just curious how that will all play out, whether we'll still have the same, you know, glistening eyes on Daytona because it's the historic one or if these new ones that are coming in will change and make things look, you know, a lot better at those rounds than they do at Daytona or if they'll make Daytona look even better because they don't quite do it the same or something. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that looks at the end of the year. Yeah, well, I think it'll come down to, uh, you know, the limits of how big they can make the track. We know with Daytona there's some, you know, they've got to watch out for, you hear, you know, other people talking about they've got to watch out for the sprinklers and they've got to have it in a certain area, you know, within a certain area. But if these other tracks are, you know, willing to give them a bit bigger of an area, um, it can make for, you know, you can put more track down and then, yeah, it might be completely different to the way we look at Daytona with these three races. Definitely. Yeah, that might be the thing that kicks it in the other direction. Eh? If they have a free free range on track design in the whole venue, that might make things different. But we'll have to wait and see. They've obviously put out track maps for these things, but how it actually looks when you get to the venue versus the track map is always the key. So we'll just have to wait and see in September what these things look like. And I, I can't wait to see those events, to be honest. It's just a nice to have them sitting there at the end of the year waiting with that um you know bated breath to get there so keep it keeps the things exciting but let's talk results it was an interesting one at uh the 250 class with hayden deegan uh, making his first podium as a as a professional motocross supercross racer he's starting to look pretty legit already and i gotta tell you i think he gave martin the business with that pass in the sand section there i don't know what your thoughts are benny but i i kind of like the fact that he gave him gave him a bit of muscle to get around him there yeah, he's definitely uh, definitely legit, and you know you don't just get that from being on a YouTube channel. Uh, he's definitely putting in the work, and um, yeah, I think proving the haters wrong. Uh, but yeah, it just uh, gave Martin a bit of a J Mart a bit of a tap there, and um, so he should they shouldn't shouldn't be worried about who they're racing. And that you know it's good that they just get in and go hard, and they're not worried about who they're next to kind of a mentality thing there isn't it at that point like obviously you see the back of the jersey and you see that single digit with the six for the martin and you're like he's obviously got some credentials he's a national champ to get a a single digit but hayden has hasn't seemed to worry about anybody in that sense he's just doing what he does he's passing people if he can pass them and he's just running his race and it obviously worked out really well in daytona for him to get that podium yeah, and I mean, he's probably raced, you know, J-Mart at the track last year when he was with Starb, you know, probably plenty of times. And he just might have looked at it as if, you know, it's just was just another day like that. But, yeah, he's not worried. Uh, he'll put he'll put it on anyone that he is next to. And, um, yeah, on the podium, he can only go, you know, go higher from there. And I, I think it's probably not too far away that we see him maybe sneak one in. Yeah, uh, you're talking a win there, obviously, and um, yeah, I wonder how he backs that up 
this weekend at Indy because Indy's going to be a very different supercross track. It's that sort of odd liar with the generally softer dirt, leads to more ruts and it's obviously more complicated to, to complete the lap there because of those deeper ruts and, and multiple ruts across the whole track. So uh, be curious to see how he backs that Daytona round up and if if anything, you know, if, if he just does exactly what he's been doing or if the, if the skill set is already there pretty pretty good as we seem to see with him so far. If that skill set translates to this this different track here in India and he just goes maybe podium again or or even if if a few things fall his way he ends up ends up on the top step. We'll have to see, eh? Yeah, and he uh, I, I don't think apart from I think the one crash in that Triple Crown uh, race, I don't think he's been outside the top five. If I'm correct, it's I think. About that. Um, yeah, in, I would agree. It's about yeah. That. Um, so yeah, he's you know you put it put it up on the third spot last week. Um, so yeah, I think that's his you know one well, probably three to five is his range. But I'd like to like to see him maybe sneak a first or a second as well. Now speaking of first and second, how was the move for you from Hunter on Nate Thrasher at that opening lap there? I, I thought from from my side of things, Hunter saw an opening and took it, and yeah, it resulted in a little bit of contact. But I feel like Hunter had the move there, and it was, you know, it was it was fine. It was aggressive, and he he just made a bit of a boss move there. But and this might be the Aussie, you know, blinded one eye sort of thing looking at it when we you know we're not the American commentators at this point. But I felt it was just a strong power move. Yeah, I'll agree. I don't think there was really that much in it. Um, I think he just saw the uh, saw the gap and went for it, and it just you know so happened that Thrasher went high and ended up on the ground. But you know, I don't really think that was. I think Hunter had in the back of his mind, you know, what had happened the week before and whatnot. But it wasn't really. It wasn't bad. Um, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with it too. If the two, it's it's that old rule. If the two of them go down or they hit, you know, front wheel into the middle of the frame or thereabouts, those are the ones that you cringe at. But Hunter was actually in front of him. They sort of Thrasher sort of came into the side back half of him. Hunter didn't go down. Only Thrasher did. I'm I'm okay with it at that point. Yep, I'll agree. I'm. I like I and like you said, it might be the the Aussie in us just sort of turning a blind eye. But you know, if if it was worse, and I, you know, I can blame Hunter. You know, I don't have a problem saying yeah, and nah, I was, you know, that's a bit too aggressive. But I think it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now another first position for Eli Tomac. Seven wins at Daytona. The guy just appears to be unstoppable at Daytona. Yep. It's ridiculous. That's um, only he, way to put it, eh? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He he didn't look great all day. Um, and then obviously the lights come on and that's it. You know, he's just a completely different person. But, um, yeah, him and Cooper Webb up front again, um, you know, Chase just wasn't in it this time. And, yeah, Tomac just hangs in there and does his thing and, yeah, just comes out on top and, uh, yeah, I just I don't know who is going to be able to beat him, but you know uh, he probably won't do it again if he does retire at the end of this year. But 
uh, yeah, he's just incredible when it comes to Daytona. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I got to comment on Sexton in a minute, but I'll come back to that one. But on Eli, I had to say, watching the early qualifying sessions, I was a little worried about it. Eh? I didn't think it was going to be seven this year. I, I was worried that he's he was off. He was, you know, the settings or something. But he, he didn't look like he had number seven in him. But sure enough, lights go on. Yeah, there it goes. Um, so yeah, he, 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 you know, congratulations, Eli. That's a pretty impressive record to have. Um, but on Sexton, I don't know about you, but I feel in all these interviews afterwards, he's been, everyone's commenting that how, you know, professional he's being, he's, he's facing the music as they say, you know, he's, he's sitting there, he's taking the questions, he's answering them truthfully. He's not being, you know, obviously distraught or, or angry or anything like that. He just looks sort of mellow and he's calculating and and working out how to do it. But at, at this point, I feel like it's, it's, it's definitely mental block now for him. There's something about that main event race. As soon as he has Tomac or Webb there with him at the front, his, in his head, something goes astray because you can't be a second to a second and a half faster than them all day and then not be able to ride with them or ride past them in a main event. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. Um because, you know, when he gets out front, he's fine and then it gets to, you know, five minutes left or whatever and then, you know, does he start thinking, oh, you know, don't crash, don't crash, and then that's when he does. Um, so then, yeah, when he gets behind those two, it's just, you know, his brain just must explode and think, I, I can't do it. It's just not going to happen. Um and, you know, it's a pretty fast track, uh, Daytona, and he might have just not even been willing to um, – he was fast in spots, but those other two were just completely um, way faster than him, and I just don't think that he was, you know, he didn't have it in his head that he could do it. Yeah, it's something – like I said, I just think there's some sort of mental block there for him. He obviously isn't showing it in the interviews too much, but I, I feel like it's eating him all week, you know, and there's just something about practice. There's no pressure because he can obviously do these incredible lap times and be so much in front of the field, which is really, it's it's James Stewart level to be that far in front of the field, you know, compared to everybody else in a, in a single lap. But there's something about those races and when there's other people there with him and they're all in the same sort of point that he can't go to the front and then still continue that pace. Uh, I just, it's got to be a mental block. Physically, he, he looks fit and healthy. The bike looks, doesn't look ridiculous. Yes, he's crashed sometimes pushing the front, but who hasn't pushed the front in a corner? Um, so I, for me, it's mental. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it there, but for me, it's mental. So. Yeah. And you see too, you know, it's a bit similar to Kenny. If Kenny gets out front, he's gone, but, you know, the last, especially the year that Cooper Webb just kept beating him right at the end. Um, as soon as Webb got anywhere near him, he'd just like shut down and Webb would get him and there was just nothing he would do about it. And it's, you know, it's sort of similar to that. It makes you think the same along the same lines. Yeah, it's the same uh, for me. That for, for me with Kenny, it was mental too at that point. Just something wasn't able to be finished off at that point in the event. And as soon as he saw that number two plate, that was the end of it. So, you know, it's um, 
there's just some mental aspects to these things that you'll never understand. You can't really train for it. You just got to be able to figure out how to push past it. And until they do it once and then twice to reinforce that they can do it, it just stays the same. And that's where Chase is at the moment. He's in that middle ground where he just he can't do nothing about it until he does it twice. He's got to do it twice. Once isn't enough. You've got to do it twice. So, anyway. Yeah. And how, how do you... How do you think so? The media are obviously, you know, they take it easy on him, but can you imagine the DMs that he's getting and the people at the track and, you know, like all the fans? Like, I'm sure that there's, you know, people getting in his head as well, just constantly. Um, you know, he probably doesn't take look at the social media thing as much as, you know, he can get away from that, but. At for the track, you know, I'm sure there's people saying, hey, you know, at the signing sessions and stuff like that, don't fall off or, you know, don't blow it. And uh, the, that's just something that he can't get away from. Yeah, he's just got to, at that point for me, he has to come up with some way of deflecting that so that it doesn't sink in. You know, like during the week, it's easy. Don't touch your don't touch your social media. I'd be deleting those apps if I was him for midweek and just not going anywhere near it. And especially, no, don't do not click on like Vital or something and read the threads because that would just destroy him. But for the race days and stuff, I would, yeah, you'd just be have to come up with some sort of deflective mechanism, something you say back to all of them, just to sort of not let it sink in for too long. Do you know what I mean? Because you are right that there'd be hundreds of people in that signature line just bring it up to him and how do you get away from it you can't but the only way to silence them is to to prove and to win and like i said until you do it twice he's not going to be able to reinforce that in his own head that he's capable so he's got to do it twice so he's a bit of a ways off yet getting those comments to disappear yeah but you know what i'll uh i'll back him for a win this weekend well, on that, that'll, on, that'll, that'll on be that my subject. hot take. Yeah, on that subject, you're going to go for him for Pulp MX Fantasy then for the Always Moto Fantasy League. Uh, look, for points reasons, probably not. <laughs> uh, I had him at I had him last week at Daytona, and he he didn't get me the 26. I was rather disappointed. So anyway, still in there, Benny. Yeah, I just cut out, but yeah, no, that's all right. I can hear you now. Yeah, all good. We'll keep going. So let's jump into the Always Moto Fantasy League. Uh, we are deep into the into the season now, and look, I'm I'm pretty stoked with my position on on where I am compared to the contractor at this point. I'm rocking one thousand eight hundred thirty three points, and and Benny, mate, I, I'm not sure I'm reading the numbers right, but I think yours says sixteen fifty eight for. 56th in the league and I'm, I'm 11th in the league. Is that, is that about right for you? Yeah, no, you can, uh, you can see that right. And uh, that's even with uh, two, uh, you know, I only got seven last week. But the last two weeks I've actually done a bit better than I was. So, you know, just that two races in the middle that I didn't do very well and you end up back, uh, back with me. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm trying my damnedest to avoid that. But... You know, every week there seems to be at least one, if not two, of my guys. They all seem to be doing all right and making the mains. Occasionally we're looking at some LCQ wobbles, but we get there. But once they get there, I end up getting Talon Hawkins and, you know, getting screwed out to only 11 points. You know, the other week it was Derek Kelly that got me at Oakland and I only got two points. And, 
Yeah, as much as it, it's going okay, it's not going great. Yeah, no, and, you know, like I said, I had I had seven this week, which wasn't great, um, but I still ended up with 225, which, you know, that's still better than what I've had uh, apart from Arlington. But between Anaheim 2 and uh, Arlington, you know, weren't so great, but I'll take a 225 at Daytona. Yeah, right. Well, let's quickly quickly reminder for everybody out there. There's a couple of things we need from from everyone in the league. Now we've got 110 players in the league, but not all of you have be, are eligible for prizes, and the prizes are going to start in round 10, which is not this week but next. And to be eligible for the prizes, all you need to do is send me an email uh, to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com, and we just need your pulp username and your Instagram or Twitter username, so that we know who you are, and we can basically get in contact with you to get to the prize to you so that's all you got to do it's not hard uh just send me an email and the other part we want to just remind everybody too if you want to get in on our instagram fantasy league group chat for the always moto fantasy league you just have to send us a dm on instagram so you can send it to me always.moto or you can send it to benny at, at grino g-r-i-n-o-2-2 um, and we can get you into that league and we can just have a bit of a a, fan, a lot of fantasy talk going on there um you can feel free to vent about your shit team um, there's no judgment in that area, so it's uh, been pretty pretty good chat in there. The the guys in there are pretty pretty funny at times, and uh, there's some random videos that come in at times from from the moto world. But uh, a little bit of fun in there, eh, Ben? Yeah, and speaking of uh, videos from the moto world, what about Kenny sending it yesterday? Just not a care in the world. Just yeah, ridiculous. It was a decent 153 foot or something, wasn't it? I think I read. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a lot of hang time. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's those guys that free ride are just ridiculous. And we know Kenny's, you know, he's all for that. He's done stuff similar to that before. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's the sort of stuff that's been popping up in the fantasy group chat. So, yeah. It's interesting to see because you sometimes miss some of these little things, but the group chat keeps you up to date on all of it as it goes along. Now, let's have a look at those fantasy teams, Benny. So let's quickly recap our teams from Daytona. Um, So I'll go first. I had in the 250 teams, I had Jeremy Martin, which got me my 26 points for my All-Star. Like I said before, I had Talon Hawkins, who's got me 11, which was the the bummer for me for the round. I had Cullen Park got 36 and Chance Hymas got 34 so it wasn't too bad, just just like I said, Talon Hawkins got me. If I had got another – if he had run where he was at that 7, 8 was thereabouts, I would have been happy days. I would have been couple, everyone over 30s, which would have been sweet. But uh, missed out, unfortunately. How about yourself, Benny? What you what you have for 250s? Uh, so I had Hunter, and he got me my 26, nice. uh, winning, winning the race. I had Cullen Park, same as you. Uh, 36, Chance Hymas, again, same as you, 34. And um, Jack Chambers. Oh, mate, you, you scored well, big time. I haven't picked him all year. And um, I just, you know, everyone was saying, you know, it's a bit more of a, you know, it's a bit different track, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick him. And uh, I actually had, I think it was Matt in the group chat saying, you know, at this point, just send it because I couldn't decide on a team at that point. And uh, so I was 
But you know what? I'll do it. I'll put him in there. And um, 46 points he got me. So at the end of the 250 heat, I was looking really good. And then the 450 heat came along and, uh, yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't so good. Well, keep going. Well, he was on the 450 team that let you down, mate. Kevin Marines. Just, oh, yep. That was a big one. <laughs> but in saying that, so I had Josh Cartwright and he got me 36 points. But if Marans hadn't have crashed, it would have been Marans in and not Cartwright. So you were screwed it, either, either way. way, I was only getting seven. Yeah, you are screwed either way. So you can't really complain, I guess. <laughs> no. And then I had uh, Tomac was my all-star. And, uh, you know, got me 26 points with the win. And Josh Hill got me 28 points, which uh, is not too bad. And I chose Sexton for the FFL. I didn't go a 251, but I chose Sexton, and um, that cost me seven points. So I would have been over the over the 30 mark, 230 mark if I hadn't uh, chosen that. But uh, I don't think I'll be choosing one this week. I think I'm just going to keep the – Keep those seven points. You gotta, you, you gotta run with my policy of only picking the first to finish line at a triple crown, mate. There's two, not enough uh, options there to uh, get it right for that one little bit of time. Anyway, my 450 team, I went Chase Sexton as I said before for my All Star and only got 23, which is still pretty damn good. Uh, just wish it could have been better. Ended up with Justin Cooper getting me 36 points. I picked RJ Hampshire, which got me 36 points. And I went Justin Hill for 30 points as well. So pretty good 450 team for me. I can't complain with those numbers. Yeah. I think, what did you get? 230? Uh, 232. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty happy with that. So, yeah, for the uh, the seven points would have got me, what, one point below you. So, <laughs> so it might have been a bit closer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, all good. So let's let's have a look at teams for, for Indy this week. Um, I'll jump in and go with my 250 team. Now, um, I was a bit not sure with the 250 team at the the picks. There's a few too many names in the back half of this list that I'm just not sure on if they will actually qualify or not. They'd be probably the ones time that I pick them that they don't go into the into the main event. So, for now, this is what I've got. But I, I dare say this is going to change once I see some qualifying times because I'm really not sure on one in particular. But I've gone my all-star is Max Anstey. He's at a two. So I figure he's got a fair chance of being on the podium and then getting max max points. I've gone Chris Blows at a one. I've gone Jace Owen at a five. And this is the one that I'm not sure on. I don't know about your thoughts on this one, Benny, but I've got Michael Moseman at a minus two. He's on my team. <laughs> okay, let's, let's roll with it. Yep, sweet. What's the rest of your team then? Yep. He is uh, he's on my team. Minus two, yeah, I don't know. I like you. You were expecting something out of me, and uh, yeah, he's sitting there for me. So we're just gonna have to see how it goes. Yeah, the qualifying's gonna have to do it for me. He's gonna have to be like top five for me to stick with him. I think. Yeah, and uh, he had that crash too. So I just, yeah, we need to probably see how he is, uh, mm. and yeah, qualifying will show us that, but. Uh, I've got Anstey as my all-star as well. I've been flicking between him and Hunter all year, and um, it's been pretty good, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I've got Talon Hawkins because I feel like everyone's misfortune last week oh, might yeah. uh, good on you. R- repay me this week. And at the moment, I've got Marshall Welton, but I'm not uh, 
he did well for me last time, but I'm just um, not too sure on that at the moment. I have to mm. wait and see. Yeah, I was looking at Marshall. I was looking at who else was I looking at in the two fifties? There's another one there that I was sort of flipping back and forth. Oh, Jeremy Hand, and I was even looking at Michael Hicks, and I'm just like. Ugh, I can't really decide on any of them. The only other one that I actually really kind of kind of considered, just because of the high handicap, was Caden Braswell at a ten. But he's been real hit and miss on making the mains. So, yeah, two fifties. We'll have to see some uh, qualifying times. I think. Let's go four fifties now. I've gone for um, Justin Barsha as my all star. He's got a five handicap this round, and I just think he was running fourth at Daytona, looking real frisky. And the week before, he was looking pretty good as well. I think a five is pretty easy for him to get 26 points. So I've gone Justin Barsha. I've got Grant Harland at a 10, Shane McElrath at a 7, and Cade Clayson at a 12. And I have no confidence in those last three as definites for the main. They're, they're good riders. I like them all. But I'm just not definite on them. And that's where I'm just not happy with my picks at this point. But I've picked my other ones that I would normally sort of go to in that range are either in the all-star range now or they are not my they're on that shit list that you don't pick from anymore (laughs) yes yep (laughs) so yeah it's a bit tight there Uh, the only other one that i didn't actually see because i didn't filter for that i believe that adam cincerulo is back this week and i didn't filter for that one because i just went off last moto results at this stage so he might be worth putting in there as one of those guys and dropping one of those other three off that list and making me a bit more comfortable that getting eight is great. Well, you can bet he's on my team. <laughs> he's sitting there nice and pretty. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's sitting there nice and pretty with a three. Um, I had him picked and then he didn't end up racing the weekend I had him picked. So um, he's back in, but we'll uh, – yeah, well, I think we'll have to see what qualifying brings because he hasn't raced for two weeks. And, um, yeah, we'll just see. I've got Ferrandis at the minus one. Uh, I had him picked for last week too until he decided on press day that he wanted to have another crash. Uh, so I took him out. Um, but, I'm, yeah, again, he'll be a qualifying uh, wait and see. Uh, I've got Webb as my all-star, but between Anderson, Barsha, and him were the three that I was looking at. Uh, I've clicked on him for now, but we'll just have to uh, have to wait and see. But I think it's uh, a pretty safe pick. And I've got uh, Starling. And you said that you had Harlan. Uh, between Harlan and Starling were the two that I was looking at. So mm. um, we'll just have to wait and see. But Harlan did really well last week. Uh, I think he was last in his heat and qualified and um, then did really well in the race. So, uh, And he's been doing not too bad the last few weeks, so he may end up in there over, over Starling. Yeah, I can see myself now that now that I'm remembering some of these other people that are coming back in, like Ferrandis and, and Cincerulo and potentially Colt Nichols. There might be some changes to these last three guys on my, my team, but it'll all depend on if they make it through those practice and qualifying rounds, those three guys, because they're a bit uh, hit and miss lately. So we'll have to see. But, yeah, look, it's going to be an interesting week on Always Motor Fantasy League over here on the Pulp MX Fantasy game. So we'll have to 
have to check back closer to the day. We didn't put up many teams last week, uh, if any. I actually didn't have signal. And then when obviously all that stuff with Ozpro happened, we didn't. I just decided not to put try and put any teams out um, and just left that quiet there. So this week will be – if you're tagging – Putting the hashtag always Moto Fantasy League, we'll be popping those teams up, and that'll be the reason the person who's doing that the most will be getting that uh, special prize at the end of the league here for Supercross from us. And at this stage, we talked about, I think we talked about this after we finished recording last week, Benny, but um, it's definitely Three Kings who are leading that charge as to posting the most with the hashtag always Moto Fantasy League for that particular prize. So if anybody else is interested, you better get uh, posting that team up and using that hashtag. Yeah, get on to it and try and uh, try and win. <laughs> <laughs> Great input there from from the contractor. That's yeah. what we pay him the big bucks. <laughs> now, <laughs> now quickly, you've mentioned here you got Freddie at a sixteen. I don't know if that's worth the sixteen. So for the gamblers out there, Freddie at a sixteen is. It's he almost made it last week. He was in fifth in the LCQ. So, if you're a gambling uh, gambling player, that's uh, that could be one for you to look out. And if he gets in, well, it's probably going to pay off. Not too bad. So, I'm not picking him, but <laughs> just have a think about it. If you're, uh, if I'll you're point a gambling, it out to everybody, but gambling I'm not player, picking it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's confidence for you. Yep, awesome. Yeah, we got to be confident. You got to try and get back the points that you know. What is that? Fifty-six position back to eleventh. That's that's one of the ways you try and do it. But I'm not doing it. Ah, well, and that's why you're in fifty-six. But anyway, let's um <laughs> let's wrap up on the fantasy league. Let's just thank the sponsors that are going to be start giving away some of these prizes. Like we said, from round ten, we're going to start dropping some random prizes in. Uh, and we'll have the overall prizes at the end of the Supercross season. And thanks to those supporters of this league, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks for your support, guys, out there. Uh, it's really great to have you on for the Always Moto Fantasy League. All right, let's wrap that up, this section up. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott Meshi, number 411, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Let's jump straight into the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list. So I keep saying it over and over again, and you do not want to be on the emergency department list. And look, let's keep jumping straight into these injuries here and talking all the things that are going on in the moto scene and hashtag injuries are a part of moto. Things to note this week that we've brought up. Nate Thrash's ACL. Now, I posted up the video of his second crash, not the crash with Hunter that we've gone through already with the contractor earlier in the podcast, but the crash that he had when he was trying to come through the field and he was trying to quad uh, near that start-finish line bit. Uh, sorry, the start the start gate area there, just as they're going to cross over, um, and he just you know landed off the side of the track, ended up eating shit basically. But if you notice when he goes to get up from that position, he has a bit of a limp on that right leg as he goes to get up, and I'm telling you now that's the ACL side, and that hurt him and the, his leg. And I don't know how long this is going to hang in there. 
His ACL is obviously not there. He's managing week to week. The team on the coverage is saying that he is only riding once a week, which is a way of managing his load, which is fine. But I can't see how this is going to keep continuing the way it's continuing. At some point, he's going to have a crash or he's going to catch his foot in a rut and this is all over Red Rover. I don't know if it's going to happen this week, next week or in three months' time, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. At some point, I fear that Nate isn't going to make the end of the Supercross season. I can't see how this goes in the outdoors. Supercross is a different beast because usually, and obviously we're talking about this right now when we're heading to a week that has lots of ruts at Indy, but usually Supercross doesn't have that many deep ruts and you can get away with a technique that allows you to keep your feet on the pegs almost at all time because you're not shifting gears so much. The corners are prepped the whole time. You can stand up in the berm or you can keep your feet on the pegs on the berm because it's a smooth... I say smooth, but you get what I mean. It's a it's a consistent rounded berm. It's a 180 or it's a 90 corner. You don't necessarily... You're not having a long sweeping one. You're not having a tight rut that you need to turn into uh, like you do on an outdoor track. So he's able to manage that quite well in Supercross, but there is still going to be a time, and maybe it's this weekend with Indy with the extra ruts where he catches it and twists it. But I've definitely been noticing his foot, his, his feet, both feet, are staying on the pegs way more than I would expect him to... to uh, from his usual technique. So keep an eye on it. I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's just, yeah, it's going to happen at some point. And, and I don't want it to because it means he'll be out for the for a fair while while he gets that repair happening, but it's likely. Another one that's an interesting one for me, uh, Joe Savacci was out at Daytona. Obviously, he's not riding the rest of the season. That was a pre preemptive plan from his team, Rick Ware Racing, because they didn't have the funding and support to get him through the rest of the season, which is unfortunate for Joey. He's had a really good season going far, pretty consistent, uh, working his way back into that top 10 all the time, which is great, and starting to knock towards that top five at times. Uh, if things went right, he would definitely be there. And probably by the end of the season, that would have been the case. But he's out. Now, he did have that wrist injury the week before at Arlington, and that kept him out of Daytona. Now, the part that's interesting for me, it's kept him out of Daytona, but midweek there's a picture of him hanging uh, on Twitter, I think it was. He's hanging some picture or a TV mount or something on the wall, uh, using his hands, obviously, to do it with the tools. Uh, so obviously the wrist isn't keeping him down too much, uh, just not enough to be able to race. Just an interesting moment for me. Austin Faulkner's vlog this week. I've been watching Austin Faulkner's vlogs. Um, not massive fan of Austin Faulkner, but I'm just curious to see what he's up to with his recovery and what he's doing with his downtime. You know, he's not racing, he's not riding, he's not practicing, he's training a little bit. Uh, and it's just interesting to see some of the things he's been doing. He's been going doing cryotherapy. Uh, he's been doing um, hyperbaric chambers. He's been doing some gym training while staying off that injured right knee. It's been interesting to watch, um, just to keep up with that recovery. But there was one point in that episode that just dropped this last week, and he's doing some forearm exercises, and he's trying to do some supination and pronation activities, and he talks about his previous left arm issue where he injured some nerves, and he now has some muscle wasting in that left forearm. And when he shows that part of his left forearm, the the uh, out towards the extensor, extensor common extensor, I'm getting a stuck, common extensor origin, <laughs> getting stuck on my own words here. I can't tell my own physio stuff. But anyway, it's a CEO, the common extensor origin point on his forearm. That whole point from there down towards his wrist where the bulk of the muscle belly would normally sit for that uh, forearm extensor muscle is really wasted away. 
And he actually talks about how that that's been that way for quite some time and he doesn't expect to get it back. And my knowledge of these sorts of things, no, that's not coming back anytime soon. And then he also speaks about how that's reduced his grip strength, which for me is a bit of a, a bit of a red flag coming up. How is he managing and are, is that then impacting the reason that he's crashed these other times? Is his control over the bike reduced because of that reduced grip strength? Now, I have reduced grip strength in my left hand from a previous uh, wrist fracture that was very nasty and it impacts my ability to do uh, right-hand corners because I can't push down and um, ulnar deviate uh, my wrist, which is tilt my, my, my hand away from me to push down on the bar correctly. Now, if Austin's got something similar there and just strength reduced, that's going to really impact his position on the bike in particular turns or even just in a moment where the bike might twitch in terms of a head shake moment. So curious to see how that plays out, but I would be really concerned about how that works for him and him reaching his potential with results in the near future. Maybe when he actually gets some consistent time on the bike, that's not an issue. But when he's returning from injury and he's having that, he hasn't been on the bike and training those forearms in quite the same manner, that's going to drop off quite a bit. So when he does return to racing, that little issue there where he's got that wasting of the muscle is going to impact him more in those early days back on the bike. So something to keep an eye on with Austin and if that raises its head later on down the track in his career or not. Dylan Ferrandis and the is an interesting situation this week for everyone that's been commenting on that crash from press day at Daytona. I'm a little bit interested in everybody's opinion on this one because it's been quite a divided topic. Everyone's saying he came back too soon and that he wasn't ready and that you know fatigue and that miscalculation is all part of post-concussion symptoms. And look, everyone can Google anything these days and come out with all these this stuff and point out that the issues that are out there in the world. Is that what happened? You don't know. Is it what happened? I don't know. But let me talk you through this. He's followed what he was supposed to do from the concussion protocol. Yes, I've spoken about the concussion protocol having its limitations. But he did what he was supposed to do. He's followed the protocol. He was out for a few weeks off the bike completely. I think it was two weeks off the bike completely, back on the bike on the third week. He was at the race this weekend, which was at the three to almost four-week mark. He's had time as he was expected to do. He's been cleared by the doctor. So what else is he supposed to do for you guys? Would you not go to work if you got cleared by the doctor when you had to, and you weren't going to get paid? I can't hear you. Oh, that's right. You probably would go to work. So you would have followed the doctor's orders and as soon as the doctor clears you, you would go back to work. So why can't Dylan? Just because he's a professional athlete doesn't make the situation that much different. You might say that I'm wrong in that situation and that's fine. We can have a discussion about that. But he's followed the protocol that he is, he's supposed to do. He's been cleared by his doctor as he's supposed to do. He is feeling fit and healthy and capable on the bike again as he would hope to. He's going to go and race and I don't blame him for it. Until there is something different in place that you know scans you, blood tests you, um, helmet sensor like Helltech has that's coming out here very soon that tells you the reading and then gives you a, a time that you need to be off the bike because of the G-forces that it reads, then he's done everything he can. Until those times those things are available and they're accurately tested and researched and proven to be correct, then he can't do anything different. So I think he was fine. He'll be probably on the track this weekend, as I expect in my notes further down here. 
he's going to be racing Indy. So what's the difference from him racing this weekend and not last weekend? Is it any different or do you want him just to sit out? One comment on the, on, on, on the post that I made was that he should have sat out all the way to outdoors. That's not till the end of May. As if he's going to sit out for another two and a bit months, that's not practical. He's, he's a racer. His livelihood is racing. He can't make any money if he's not racing. Yes, he's on a salary, but he was making money from prize money. Sitting out to outdoors is a ridiculous um, theory, and it's not going to happen, especially when he's done the protocol as he's supposed to. So we're almost crossing into a little bit of a Dave's diatribe here, but it's he's done what he's supposed to do, and I don't see why everybody's getting on his back. He made a mistake on press day that caused another crash, yes, but he was ready to go back to racing. He was cleared by the, by the authorities and by the doctors. It is what it is. He just had another crash. You can't do anything about it at that point. All right, let's move on. Out for in out for the indie round from injuries that say they sustained at Daytona. We have Jonah Geisling. Uh, he got a concussion and fractures to his T1, T4, and first rib. So he's going to be out for probably six to eight weeks, which will potentially spell the end of his Supercross season. Uh, he'll probably just take that time to get himself ready for outdoors. Jesse Flock, we're unclear on whether he is out or not, but there is a very interesting sequence of uh, photo shots that he is crashing in at Daytona on his Instagram page. So go and check that out, Jesse Flock167. Uh, we're not sure if he's actually too beat up. He is sore from that from his post on Instagram, but we haven't got any further info from him direct to say whether he'll be in or out for Indy at this stage. So keep an eye on our Instagram. When we find that out, we'll pass that on. Jordan Jarvis was trying to qualify for Daytona. She was there riding press day, but unfortunately crashed and sprained her elbow. Uh, I would think that that was the probably a week or two for her that she'll be out. And I don't think that she was actually trying to qualify at any other previous events, but just that Daytona one. So we'd expect her to be trying to do some more qualifying at the outdoors here soon in May. Making returns for the race this weekend at Indy. Some interesting ones here. Uh, Alex Ray, he's going to be back at Four weeks post-thumb fracture and even less time on the surgery repair. He was riding at basically three weeks post-repair, which is pretty damn quick if you ask me, but he's ready to go, but I wouldn't expect him to be holding onto those bars too tightly. So keep an eye on him. There might be some sketchy moments which would fit his brand, so that would work out perfectly. Alex, uh, good luck, mate, but uh, it's a pretty quick return from racing. It's return to riding and even quicker return to racing for you, but uh, I would have probably liked to see maybe one or two more weeks in that recovery period. But this is the supposedly his last season. Uh, he's trying to make the most of every round, I guess. Dylan Frandis, as we just spoke about, we expect him to be back on track after his Daytona press day crash. Uh, hopefully he gets through... A-OK this weekend in Indy. Colt Nichols had a crash at Daytona in qualifying, is beat up. Now, depending on where you're hearing your information, uh, I was listening to the Moto X pod show. You guys do a good job over there on the Vital MX network now. Uh, and they were talking to Lars Lindstrom, and he said that Colt wasn't going to be back. But then when you listen to the Fantasy Pod with Pulp MX guys, you guys also do a good job too. I quite like your stuff. Um they were saying that he would be back. So who knows? At this stage, he's a, he's a question mark for me. But there are no major injuries there. He is still carrying that groin injury. I would suspect it's still hampering him a little bit from earlier in the season. Uh, maybe he takes the extra week off just to let those things heal up even further and be even back, hopefully back to more of closer to 100% than he has been because he's just been battling on. Kyle Chisholm also was on that Pulp MX Fantasy pod this week. 
uh, and was talking about his knee injury that he had before Daytona. Now, that's a bit of a lingering thing. He's aggravated that two or three weeks earlier. He's re-aggravated in another crash the week before Daytona, and that's what kept him out at Daytona. But he is supposedly going to race this weekend. I don't like how that knee and that tweaking in this that keeps continuing to happen is happening. Uh, obviously, there's something there that's not quite happy, whether it's a meniscus, whether it's just a, a grade two, one or two grading uh, sprain of an MCL ligament. I'm not sure. No details from Kyle as to what, but uh, I don't know if I'd be picking him to go chising at this stage, particularly that he's you know still hasn't been going super well on that Suzuki just yet. TJ Albright was meant to start racing in uh, the East Coast Supercross when it started in Houston, but managed to get a knee injury right before the week of Houston for the 250s. But after five weeks being out, he is back for this weekend for Indy. So good news for TJ Albright. Adam Cincerulo is meant to be back this week after two weeks off from his wrist injury. I would love to sit down with AC and find out a bit about what's going on with this wrist of his and where it's connected to or if it's connected to the ulnar nerve issue, if it's unrelated to that, if it's in relation to him taking off his right wrist brace that he usually wore all of the you know previous seasons for a number of years that I can remember, but he's taken it off this season. Uh, I'd love to know if it's just completely unrelated and I'm spinning shit. I don't know, but I'd love to be able to sit down and talk with AC, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. But Maybe we'll get to that when we'll be able to meet with them and talk to them in person later in the year when we get to a couple of events. So we'll keep that on the bucket list for now to see if we can talk to him. But yeah, I'd love to find out a little bit more, but he's supposedly back, but it's one over jump away from, you know, missing another week or two for AC. So hopefully he can keep it on two wheels. Hopefully he can keep his timing down really nicely and he doesn't create any more issues to that wrist and or all of the other things that he's had over the last few years and we're going to just see him ride out the rest of the Supercross season uh, in one piece. But that's the emergency department for this week heading into Indy. Hopefully you got some information out of that that maybe help you with your fantasy league teams or just keep you up to date with what's going on in the world of injuries in moto. Now, we haven't mentioned any of our injury stats recently. Uh, we'll bring, bring a bit more of an update on those things uh, in terms of injuries per round again, probably from next week. Uh, we try not to bring in too many numbers every week because it's just a little bit boring at times. You know, data is data, but and it's useful. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it, this is meant to be entertainment too, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, let's take a quick break here on the show, and we're going to come back with an interview from the number 51. We're on show 51, and we're going to get the number 51 on, uh, and we'll be talking to that uh, Aussie racer shortly. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker and I'm from the Baker's Factory and you're listening to Always Motor. All right, on the Always Moto podcast this week for show 51, we've got the number 51, but it's probably not the 51 you're thinking of. It's an Australian privateer. Uh, he raced the Aussie Supercross rounds this year, uh, had a little bit of an injury in Newcastle, uh, but he's on board to talk to us today. It's Ryan Kollenberg. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, good, good. How how's things been? Yeah, awesome, man. Um, nice to make some time this morning for us, buddy, and um, good to check in and see how things are going after that crash because in Newcastle, because it was a decent one for you, man. Yeah, obviously happened so quick, but definitely uh, a long term recovery situation. <laughs> yeah, it's so that was the heel that was broken, wasn't it? Yeah, so I shattered, I shattered my heel bone. They say when it breaks, it's not a clean break. It it shatters like an eggshell. So it's not just a six week healing process. It's more of like a 
10 to 12 week situation. So, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's why it's taken so long. It's a sucky injury point to, to get broken. Like you said, it doesn't break clean. So everyone's like, no. oh, yeah, it's a broken bone. You'll be sweet. But, yeah, for some reason, that one and, and some other points of the body too are the same. Like, it just It's not yeah. as clean as, as you know, just a, you, I broke my radius, you know. Like it's yeah. it's a bit more ugly. And, it, and, and of course, for that area too, for the heel, it gets a bit poor blood supply. So it takes a longer time naturally to heal and it's got more parts yeah. to it. So it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, fully. And, um, yeah, obviously it'd been probably one of the most um, dominant weight-bearing points of your body as well. So Yep, yep. Um, Adds to the complexity, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So how sure. was the recovery? Like Newcastle was, what, uh, November last year and we're now March. How's things going for you? Yeah, yeah, it's going, um, it's going well. I, like I was saying earlier, I only started walking about, two weeks ago now um but i've been staying really active like just trying to walk as much as i can and do my little squats and road cycles and stuff just to get it spinning um but i actually i actually got back on the dirt bike uh last weekend which was pretty cool so how long was that for you that you were actually off the bike man um i was off the bike for 12 weeks i think it was yeah, that's a long time, man. How how was that for yeah. you? Was it were you going nuts at some point? Yeah, well, um, obviously for supercross, it's not something you can take lightly, and you have to train as much as you can. And I got an opportunity to ride pretty much full time, so I was three days on, one day off. Um, so going like full time on the dirt bike to laying in a hospital bed for a couple of weeks was definitely. It's definitely changes the terms of events that's for sure yeah it's a big it's a big whack to the reality at that point when yeah you go from being so active to being stuck almost doing yeah. nothing you know so yeah it's, yeah it's a big change in life and it takes it's a hard thing to get over mentally at some points because you do just start thinking all those bad thoughts while you got plenty of time to do nothing and think about this stuff yeah. so yeah yeah and it, and that's why it's so important to have like really good friends and family around you in your corner like like just trying to think positive and think of the future and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I've definitely been blessed with the best. That's for sure. Yeah. Nice. It's good to have that support. So, but what yeah. about the recovery for you? Like obviously 12 weeks is a long time. Was there any, yeah. any tools as such that you were using that maybe were a little bit different to, to getting back? Like we've had some, some of the guys from the U S and stuff on here at times telling us about, you know, bone stimulators and, and they're cutting holes in casts to make the bone stim, you know, fit inside so they can get the recovery happening as soon as quick, as soon as possible. Is there anything yeah. that you did, you know, differently or, or maybe out of the box that you, you, know, you went through to get this to this point now? Um, no, nothing dramatic. It's, it was more of like resistance training again because I lost like all my quad and calf, like all my right leg muscle, but it was pretty much just elastic bands and stuff. We did look into purchasing a stem cell machine from the US. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my buddies has them um, from 0%, but he, um, he, by the time I could get it and the doctors to approve it to get shipped over and all that, it was just, it wasn't worth pursuing just because it was going to take. Couple of weeks, months, one of those things you look at some of this stuff at times and think yeah that'd be awesome to have but by the time you yeah. gonna get it it's like three or four yeah. weeks down the track and it, you miss the boat on on the effectiveness because you need it from you know day two or something after the injury and yeah, yeah. It's, it's not unfortunately and then yeah. it was it was hard to like 
go to someone that had a machine because I wasn't that mobile as well, sort of thing. Yeah, too. Well, you're you're on the south coast of New South Wales too, so it's probably not something like you're not in a major city there that um, yeah. is going to have all access to this in sort of a 10, 20 minute radius from you either. So it would be a decent yeah. travel to get to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, but yeah, otherwise, other than that, yeah, just like the elastic bands and um, I was going to Baymed um, physiotherapy and climber, so they're all over it. Yeah, I know those guys. It. I used to work down in, in Wollongong a little bit and had some yeah. clients with them and they're good guys down there. They actually they're they're part of the uh, one of I think their Wollongong branch is actually ones that look after the, the dragons yeah, okay. and stuff there, so or at least it used to. Um so yeah, yeah they're, they're well yeah, they into sports, look after the hawks and stuff, I think it is. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah the hawks from the so- yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, but, they're, um, they're up to date with it all, man. So that's a good spot that you found yourself in. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, um, yeah, I think moving on into 2023 season, I definitely definitely want to come back into Supercross. I don't know how we'll go, but just give it a go. <laughs> is that is that the next sort of, like, race plan for you, like to sort of work back towards that point? Because it's a fair yeah. way off yet, the Aussie season. Um, it's yeah. probably not until September-ish or, or thereabouts, but you'd want to be starting to, to, to really get into the Supercross training probably late July. Is that is that yeah. the aim at this point? Yeah. So um, when in the so last season in 2022, it was like my rookie year. But um, I'm 25 now, so I don't know if I left it a little bit late. But um, reality definitely <laughs> took a hold of me from like like working hard and stuff while I was a bit younger. So I just seen a window, and my friends from MX Locker Active Co. Um, Drew he called me and. Um, I know we just spoke about it and it just didn't seem like a crazy idea to go race in Supercross. So it was like a, um, just a situation where you grab the bull by the horns and go for a ride. So Take I don't the know. punch, mate, and go for it. Yeah. Yeah, Supercross is, it's definitely not something you should take lightly. Like you, you have to work really hard and be really disciplined on it and ride to your ability. And that's sort of what I was doing. Like um, obviously I crashed out, but, I wasn't trying to hit big sections or send it as big as I could because, like, as you get hurt a lot sooner. But, um, yeah, I don't know. When when I crashed, it was I, – I went on off and just banged first gear, but I front I framed it a little bit. So I front-wheeled off the on-off and then I just held it wedged and first gear wasn't enough to get me over that jump. Um, and I didn't realise, like, I had this – top like smallest mental blank for like one second um and that's what got me undone really like i could have just rolled the triple to double it but i sent it and then didn't realize what i was doing wrong until it was too late and then i jumped off because it was i don't know i was coming up on the back side of the downy and i know if you lean on top the bike will pull through and if you lean flat you can sort of bounce and pull through but I was landing on the back of the down ramp and that's like dead stop. So, yeah. um, so that's why I chose to jump off. It's, I have a lot of friends that say I should have held on and stuff, but I just, unfortunately at the time, that's just what happened. Yeah, it's what has the saying, ifs and buts for candy and nuts. At that point, you don't know which one's going to work out the best and you take the punt in that split second as to this is my best option and you figure yeah. it out afterwards, don't you? Like you, you yeah. everyone's a, everyone's a, you know, Monday morning well, quarterback, and they can tell you what you should have done, but they weren't there on the bike as you were flying towards that face of the of the down. Yeah. Ramp, so yeah. See, at at Melbourne, I um 
actually done a similar thing in um, qualifying, which was pretty crazy because Marvel Stadium was my first ever gate drop for Supercross, which is like a big deal. You picked a but, nice um, venue to start off, mate. Like that's pretty much <laughs> the biggest stage that we can get to in Australia for it. So yeah, nice yeah. work as the first one. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I felt that confident. Like I had such good people behind me. I was like, uh, Kieran Hall is actually my mechanic down there and he's obviously well known in the sport in, in Australia for sure. Um, but I, yeah, I've done the same sort of thing. I frame case the triple at Marvel stadium and I smashed my face and it like, it, I don't know if I broke my nose, but it bloody hurt it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I was like the same situation and I was coming up short and I'm like, I'm not doing this again. That hurt. And then, yeah, probably should have held them. <laughs> ah, look, like I said, ifs and buts, mate. So you don't know. Yeah. It, it was the decision you made and you've got to live with it. So, you know, yeah. maybe next time you'll look at it differently with knowing what's happened the second time around. But let's hope <laughs> you don't find a third effort for this one. So Yeah. But yeah, like, it's definitely when, not on the agenda. No, but like when you're saying about like you're trying to stick to – you know, your speed that you could go and, and you know, just stay yeah. within your skill set and, and you've got to be really focused on Supercross. That's 100%, you know, the, the tracks are really, they're not difficult, but there's very quickly can catch you out if you're not really sharp and on your game. And the yeah. comment that came to mind when you are talking there before was something that um, Justin Brayton said to me when I've been interviewing him at times and he says the track has a speed limit. And I think yeah. not just the track, but the rider should have a speed limit as well because they should know yeah. what they're capable of when they're on that track as well as what the track is giving them at the time in terms of the ruts are breaking down further or, or the lip is going away. You know, you've got to really yeah. pay attention to those little details and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of time to get that right. Yeah, and, and that was something I found, like for me personally, I'm obviously a different skill level to someone with the likes of like cloudy or something where yeah. they can like come through the whoops absolutely singing but for me i like i could hit the whoops like all right mind you i hit them for the first time like oh four days or something before marvel stadium eh? wow so you were really was, like, fresh at this everything point. was everything was really fine-tuned um but i was just staying patient and consistent and just trying my best and we got there and was like pretty successful for marvel stadium i think yeah we qualified but obviously didn't place it there but anyway um yeah like you can you come into like the whoops and stuff and during the moto they edge out and they they swap and they change and yeah you gotta like you gotta adjust your speed to what the track's doing as well like you can send it but if you're gonna send it into ruts you probably like big transitions you're probably gonna come unstuck at some point sort of thing yeah, well, it makes those those times like you know you've you identified you got to sort of adjust your speed there. It makes those guys yeah. that are at the top level when they're doing like a say they're doing a fifty second lap time, and by the end of the main they're still doing a fifty second lap time. It makes yeah. that all that much more impressive at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's yeah that like bring, like mentioning that for sure. Like I used to watch the AMA and stuff, and it was like it was cool, like everyone was racing and whatever. But like spending a lot of time focusing on training and bettering myself and learning the sport like at a whole different sort of level it's like yeah you respect them top runners like just all the just everyone everyone from like matt moss to freaking justin Barsha, like yeah they're they're just so talented and just the ability they actually have to jump a motorcycle is just ridiculous yeah so they can time it and be so confident even i guess jet lawrence is someone everyone's looking at like he's just he's just perfect to get it that good he's like 
yeah, they're working hard, that's well, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, when you look at those guys and think, geez, they just got it. So Make it look like it's effortless, but, you know, it's not effortless. For everybody else in the world, it's not effortless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Let's, let's jump into something a little different here. We're going to start doing this with all of our um, interviews here. We're going to ask a little question about what's under your gear, like as in yeah. the protective gear that you've got under there. So what what are you running underneath the pants and jersey? Have we got knee braces or are we on the knee, knee pads? Are we wearing an armor or are we not wearing an armor? What's, what's under the gear for you, Ryan? Yeah, so I choose the Alpine Star Tech 10s. Um, just purely because I like the technology that they've got. And and even in my crash, I feel like like I shattered my heel bone and I've landed directly on my leg. So, like, if I, I reckon if I had anything lesser than a Tech 10, like, there should have been way more ankle damage or foot or leg. Like, like they are, they're just such a solid boot. Um, yep. They actually have, like, a piece of, um, like, styrofoam in the sole of that boot. So, once... When I have a crash like that, um, the styrofoam actually compresses and it reduces impact. I think it's minuscule, but it does work. It's still um, something. It's a little bit of a crumple zone, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and you pay like 800 bucks or whatever they cost for a set of boots, um, but they're worth your money. Like, you know, in, like I look back at it now and it's like my other foot didn't get hurt. This foot didn't break an ankle, like um, like ankle, like joint damage or yeah. anything. And for 800 bucks, that's a pretty good deal. Um Definitely. And then, and then I run my Active Co. Racewear, so my jersey and pants from them, yep. which is obviously the best on the market. And the knee braces are the K8 pods, so they're the carbon version. You can get the K4s and stuff, but they don't. The K8s are just a bit more better size. So the K8s have like a a small medium, and then a medium, and then like a medium large. Whereas the K4s are just small, medium, or large. So yeah, I found the K8s definitely suited what I was doing a lot better. Do you feel? Do you notice the difference in the in the carbon fiber, like in the weight for you when you're using those? Um, I don't think it's the weight as such, but they're definitely they're definitely you don't notice them. Um, but the yeah, they fit they fit heaps better. Yeah, like, nice. I know because I'm not I'm not a big guy. Like I'm a, I only weigh like sixty five kilos, sixty four or something. Is that, I'm not sure on my boxing weights, but it sounds featherweight to me. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty small, I reckon, buddy. <laughs> I reckon I could go in the featherweight class. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So and what about on the top then, half? We got anything up yeah, the top? Yeah, and then I just wear I just run my fist gloves. The fist gloves have always been my pick, um, and I pay for them. So yeah, they're definitely the glove to pay for. Nice. Um, and then I run a an M8 A-star helmet, and it gets painted by Brownie from Brown's Graphics. Oh, nice. Running a custom lid. Yeah, yeah. I actually – I'll send you some photos through, but it – um yeah, it's pretty sick. It was a full Marvel Stadium custom designed helmet. That's awesome. I've always wanted a custom helmet. Those things have looked yeah. awesome over the years. There's different stuff that people have had on them. That must be pretty yeah. sweet to be able to hang on the wall later too when you're finished with it. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm not going racing to win a championship. Like, I'm just going racing to make memories with friends and family. And um, obviously there's like some sort of ability that I've got to go and do it. Like, I mean, I'm not not a top athlete, but I definitely – I definitely try my best and have a go, which is what it's all about, I believe, um, especially for what I'm doing. And and even more so, like, other privateers, like, it's a shame. You see so many talented kids, like, sort of at my level, 
and no one's having a go at Supercross. It's like, I don't know, it definitely is not to be taken lightly, like I said, but it would be cool to see more people line up and try and qualify sort of thing even. I think the hardest part for us in Australia, and I know I had it when I was a bit younger, is just not, the access to the tracks is just difficult. Depending on where you are, yeah. it really impacts who who's nearby and like whether it's a five-hour drive or not to find a decent place to actually learn how yeah. to do it. So. Yeah, that yeah, that's so true. Like now you mentioned that, yeah, that was. Um, I had Matt and Trav Lindsay looked after me heaps. I think yeah, it was Matt, Trav, Dylan Wheels, and Luke Clout. They um, they have a track that I was able to get onto, and it was like the biggest blessing ever. Like if I didn't have that opportunity, yeah, right, it would have been bloody yeah. difficult. Makes it <laughs> makes it so much easier when you when you're sort of within an hour of a decent track and somebody that's going to be able yeah. to you know, maintain it and build it to spec too, so that it's actually then, resembling something that you're going to actually had, hit in the race. Yeah, well, I have a really great relationship with Nara Motorplex as well, with nice. Tyson down yep. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a clause, I don't know the politics behind it, but they can't just put a supercross track down there. It's got to be like fenced off and all that. So um, Motorplex was able to help cater for that. So um, we're able to put some sections in that were like, could help us train our timing and just little bits and able to actually just do a moto without but like without being on a supercross track but just somewhere to ride so yeah motorplex was definitely um like something i'm forever grateful for as well like they yeah they've definitely been good because like you said it's hard to actually get onto a track so um it's good when you get people like that willing to support a local yeah, rider. It makes a big difference for especially for us Aussies. It's not like not like we're in California and, and the practice tracks have their own supercross yeah. track on the side and you can just rock up on, on whichever like, ride day and, and go for it. It's it's not the yeah. same in, in Australia from that side of things. We don't have a, a, an actual facility that's sitting there waiting for us with, with um supercross yeah. tracks ready to go. So it uh, makes it a big difference when you do have that connection. So yeah. Yeah. And and, like, lastly on that point, like, the thing that got me super surprised, I think Reese Bud's from New South Wales, but they say he's from Queensland now. I think that's where he's living in China or whatever. But, like, there was only three of us at Marvel Stadium. It was me, Jai Roberts, and Jackson Hadlow. I'm pretty certain it was just us three New South Wales riders, which is crazy. Like, the amount of guys I know from New South Wales that ride dirt bikes and are fully capable, it's – um. It's crazy that not more people are having to go at it. Yeah, that's – you think back like, you know, probably – Like three. Yeah, like three guys. three guys. It's not very many, but like <laughs> you think back 10 or 15 years and that would have been a lot more because, you know, like look back to the era with like the Chad Reed and then and Ando, you know. They're, yeah. They're, they're New South Wales guys. They would have had, you know, decent tracks and a lot more people, you know, around there trying to do it with them. Just, yeah. yeah, something something shifted. Obviously, a lot of the the higher level guys for us in Australia are going and living in Queensland because there's more access to tracks up there. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I, it's disappointing when you say there's only three New South Wales guys. As a fellow New South yeah. New South Wales man, it's it's disappointing to hear that. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. That was for the MX2 class. Obviously, there was a couple more in the MX1, but yeah, it was oh, it was either three or five, but I'm certain it was three at Marvel Stadium, and then and then. Jaya Roberts got her to Adelaide, so it was just me and Jackson Hadlow at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So not, <laughs> not a lot of depth there is there for us, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. 
Well, look, um, um, so you know, we're get, getting to that point where you know you're going to be doing a bit bit more laps here in the near future, and, and ideally, we're we're seeing you fit and healthy come Australian Supercross yeah. round in in a few months. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's all coming back together, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely on track. I got some good people around me for sure, and making life a lot easier and um, more comfortable to get back on track. But uh, yeah, so yeah, last year was the rookie year, and I was like huge learning curve and uh my friend drew from mx locker rang me up um and just i don't know we were just chatting and yeah just come up with this great idea that cheats will go racing supercross so see what happens this year (laughs) (laughs) i love that it was just a phone call you're like yeah i think i can do supercross why not he says yeah (laughs) and it comes back to like the painted helmet as well like a lot of people will comment saying it's too expensive and stuff but like when I can put that on my wall and enjoy it in 10 years to come, like, you know, this it's just like good. There's so many, we made so many great memories and we met a lot of amazing people like, um, and had good support from like Baden from BBR and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, like I said, this, yeah, it's a good sport. They're all, they're all family and, um, and friends. So it's good to, it's just good, yeah. Well, that's all. at some point in like twenty years' time, you're going to be at Marvel Stadium for something else. It might be a concert, <laughs> it might be a footy game, and you'll be with your with your kids or whatever. And you'll be like, "Yeah, I raced my dirt bike in here one time," and they'll be like, "What? You did what?" You know, yeah, that's a memory you can't. They can't take away from you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, fully, and that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, that's awesome. No, that's, that's a, that's a sick thing. It's, it's an awesome thing to have in, in the pocket and in the, in the brain and in the memory bank. So, you know, look, I, I respect what you're doing and I, I look forward to seeing you back on the, on the track this year. And, um, yeah, at the yeah. Supercross races, we'll, we'll be coming and checking you out and maybe we'll get, get you back on when those races are happening again as well. But look, appreciate yeah. you having some time for us here on the Always Motor podcast, man. No, that's perfect. Uh, thanks heaps for the uh, number 51 invite. Uh, look we gotta we gotta line these things up when we get the chance in episode 51 why can't we have the 51 on board so you know awesome all right man let's leave it there but thanks for your time on the always motor podcast all right legend thank you so much for your time hey this is Caden Amrine riding for Monster Energy Luke Soil KTM Team Tata Racing and you're listening to the always moto podcast Welcome back, guys and girls. Thanks for listening to the Always Moto podcast. Let's get straight into this week's weekly product inspection highlight that we do here every week on Always Moto podcast. This week's products are from Tech 167 3D Printing. Now, 3D printed parts are becoming a bit more popular across a lot of different industries, um, but particularly in the moto industry with a lot of different applications being used. And and one such product that, that Tech 167 has come out with it's called a TPU threaded funnel, and it's made specific to suit most current motocross bikes. It's designed to thread into the oil filler on your bike. It's a sturdy funnel for ease of oil filling during regular maintenance. Now, the funnel is model-specific and almost unbreakable, um, as well as elim- almost eliminating spillages when you're pouring because the, the, because it threads into the oil cap. If you pour into that funnel correctly... It can't miss the oil hole, which is fantastic. Now, don't get me wrong. If you take to this thing with a grinder or you pour like a crazy person, yes, you're going to break it. Yes, you're going to you know, create a spill. But those things won't be the funnel's fault. This funnel works perfectly well if it's used you know, as it's intended. And if you screw that in correctly and you pour in it nice and steadily, 
there'll be no spillages out that funnel because it's going to go straight inside your engine, which is exactly what you want. Do yourself a favor, guys and girls. This funnel is a fantastic idea and get you need to get yourself one. Stop using funnels that aren't specific for your bike or for filling oil. Make your life easier and get this product that is designed exactly for this job. It's a sensational idea and it, it works exactly as it's intended. Uh, it's just simple, eliminates the mess, makes it easy. Nice work, Tech167. Guys and girls, get yourself one of these TPU threaded funnels. You'll thank me later. All right, let's uh, leave the product inspection. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back with more of the show. I'm Kyle Greeson and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. We are back. This is the Always Moto podcast and this is the tail end of the show. Thanks for sticking around. Don't forget to send in your T-shirt orders to our email, info at alwaysmoto.com. Please note that these shirts are running a smaller fit. They, you need to go up a size or two when you're, you're sending through those emails. Unfortunately, we managed to get the midget size adult T-shirt fits. So please go a size or two up. It will definitely still fit you. Um, and we can also do some returns if need be. Um, but follow us on social media. Stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. And if your podcast app allows, right now when this episode ends, jump on, leave us a rating. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Don't forget you can check out all of our written articles over at fullnoise.com.au and soon to have additional content on alwaysmoto.com. That's it for another show, guys and girls. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to Slamboard Guy. Thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots. And thanks to Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. Good job, Ben. Thanks to Ryan, Ryan Kohlenberg for the interview. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. <laughs>